does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook. Here on the fan, I want to welcome in JP Shadrick, senior reporter for Jaguars.com. Also does some college football and NFL play by play for Westwood One. Joins us here on the fan. Welcome in, JP. You know, it's funny. I was like, how bad was it for the Jags right before last season when they won the division? Last place four years in a row until last year, and now overwhelming favorites to win the division again. Did it ever feel like we were going to get to this point for Jacksonville? Well, first off, it's good to be with you. And second, you know, even last season, they were four games back in the division race and somehow walked down the Tennessee Titans to, to win the division. They uh, got hot at the right time. Tennessee started to falter. There were the head-to-head matchups, of course. The Jaguars had to win those and somehow got it done down the stretch. They stopped turning the ball over. It's been a long way since 2017. The last time they were in the playoffs, of course, before last year. There's been so much change in so many ways in the organization, coaching changes, uh, GM change. Uh, and they just say, you know, personnel has been moved all over the place. They haven't been able to re-sign some first-round picks. And, you know, it's just been a lot of – and that's not even a, a new phenomenon. That's a 10- to 15-year issue, really, for the organization. But hopefully it feels like that has settled down. Uh, certainly some with the front office in good shape. A head coach who's been at it for a long time and understands what it's supposed to feel like. And, yes, the quarterback is arguably the most important part of that. So they finally have the quarterback playing uh, smart football, good football, and now they can put the pieces around him to make this uh, repeat run, if not more than that. JP, I know the conversation has been around the AFC South trying to chase what the Jaguars finally have in a franchise quarterback and all the mocks leading up to it. Sure, there were a couple scenarios where the AFC South opponents, Colts, Texans, Titans, are able to take quarterbacks in this draft and, and potentially fix those holes and get franchise QBs. But by the time Thursday and Friday night ended, were you surprised that of this class – three of the top four actually wound up in division in this chase to try to compete with Trevor Lawrence and the Jags? Not at all. I mean, it made sense. And I think Judy Batista of NFL.com wrote it after the fact on Saturday that there were some some major storylines in the draft, a couple of things here or there. But the one to her was the race to stop Trevor Lawrence. And you guys in Indianapolis know well, if you have that set up in a division that's not ready for it, you can really handle it for a long time, handle the division and, and control it. Um, I don't know if the Titans are quite ready to, to give it up year over year. I mean, they're a fumble away from winning the division, right? I mean, it's not like they got blown out. They, like I said, they had a four-game lead. So they still feel like they have some juice in that running game and some, some pieces they can get some things done there. Uh, Andy's got a little bit of a project to get back on track, it feels like, and, uh, you know, it's happening down in Houston. So, um, no, I'm not surprised at all because that's the way of the world in the NFL right now. It's an offensive league. The top teams, certainly in the AFC, are scoring close to 30 points per game. And if you don't do that, you're not going to hang with them. And that's really the next step for the Jags is to try to circle around that and score and, and keep up with the teams that 
you lost two and faced in the playoffs because you're going to face them, it feels like, year after year because they have quarterbacks too. It's not just in the division, right? Yeah. So, yes, you need a quarterback in the division, but once you finally crack that code, you're in the playoffs against Mahomes and the Chargers and all these other the Bills, all these great teams of quarterbacks who've been there. So you, you better get one. I love you. I, I want to hear your answer from a, a Jaguars point of view, right? When you look at the three other rookie quarterbacks in the division, when it's C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, who do you see being the best of the three down the road that could be the toughest test for the Jags going forward? Well, I'll tell you that uh, I saw Stroud firsthand a good bit the last few years doing college football. And this, the, the, obviously he had some fantastic weapons around him with those great receivers two years ago at Ohio State. And he could stand in there if he had the time. He could make an accurate throw 50 yards down the field. Just, just had everything about him, it felt like to me. Uh, Bryce Young, without the size issues, if you're into calling it an issue, I don't know if it is, but he has the moxie to overcome a lot of that stuff. I did the Iron Bowl game in 2021 where he had no timeouts at his own three, didn't have Jamison Williams on the field, drives down the field, they tie the game, win it in four overtimes. That that was a huge moment, obviously, for him and, and probably since the Heisman Trophy for him in that season. I did not get to see Will Levis in person but he has that big arm, and we'll see what happens. You know, you know, will they force him on the field? I don't know about that. Maybe it's a year in training, and then you give him an opportunity. You know, Stroud's going to have every chance down there. He's the guy. You know, it feels like I, I, if if Davis Mills gets on the field before him, I'd be shocked. Obviously, and then uh, Bryce. They said the other day, uh, Bryce Young in Carolina is going to get on. You know, we'll see. He's not going to get given uh, right away to him, um, and then. In Indianapolis, hey, what happens with Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, this is that's that's a fascinating pick to me, you know, because um, what his passing his completion percentage is like fifty five percent or something, but he can do so many other things that some of these guys just can't do. And I did a game, the Florida at South Florida game two years ago, where he had he stepped in off the bench, and he had run for like one hundred and seventy yards a week before. First play, fakes the run, steps back, throws a 75-yard touchdown over a defense, right? Later in the game, he's running for an 80-yard touchdown, which is unbelievable. Um, so he can do all that. Can he develop into a an NFL, more of a stand-in-there, throw-it-around, accurate passer? Time will tell, man, and I'm curious to see it because he can do everything else, that's for sure. J.P. Chadrick, senior reporter for Jaguars.com. Nice enough to take some time with us. J.P., eight of the draft selections by the Jaguars on the defensive end. You mentioned keeping pace not only with quarterbacks in division and having to, you know, kind of stave them off, but the elite of the elite that are in this AFC arms race at the quarterback position. What were your overall takeaways on the defensive side of the ball of how the Jaguars addressed those needs when knowing that you're going to have to get to the quarterback in some capacity if you want to have a shot in these playoff games. Yeah, for for the defense, they, they've said all offseason that pass rush is a priority, yes. Obviously, they didn't have a lot of sacks last year. But they've spent a lot of draft equity at pass rush the last four years. Josh Allen was a top-ten pick. Of course, uh, last year, Trayvon Walker was the number one overall pick. And Doug Peterson said it himself just a few weeks ago, hey, at some point, these guys have to play better, too, basically. I mean, you, you have to develop. If you're a first I – mean, 
you know, we can't keep spending all these high, high draft picks on this over and over again. I mean, right. at some point, you've got to play better. So I think that's the pressure, putting a little bit of pressure on those guys' performance. Year five for Josh Allen, year two for Trayvon Walker. We'll see if he's comfortable. So I didn't see them going after pass rush early in the draft no matter what. I didn't think that was going to be the case considering what he said on that. I thought they might have gone for a cornerback. They could have used a, a nickel corner. They ended up getting one in the fifth round uh, that they can play corner. Antonio Johnson from A&M. You know, we'll see how he does in the future. He could be a safety, but they might start him at nickel to begin. See how he performs there. In the pass rush, they you know they re-signed Roy Robertson Harris to a long-term deal. You know, he came in in free agency a couple of years ago. They like him up front. Um, they've got Tyler Lacey coming in from Oklahoma State in the fourth round. Let's see what he can do. He can play a couple different positions. Yasir Abdullah might be a little bit of a developmental player. He's a smaller in stature in terms of height and weight. But let's see what he can bring to the table. It's just about competition at that point for, for defense. So, hey, the focus was on offense. First three rounds, they went offense. Tackle, tight end, running back to fill those little voids there. And, like we said, try to outscore these other teams while maybe developing some defensive pieces later that can do enough to slow them down. Break serve, if you will. Like Get an extra takeaway. You know, you get another field goal a game, Jags were like 23 points per game, almost 24. You get another field goal, you're 27, 28, and all of a sudden you're top four in the league in scoring, and that changes a whole lot of the dynamic. They don't need to be the 2,000 Ravens on defense. They just need you know a few more takeaways, impactful plays to set up this offense. He's J.P. Shadrick from Jaguars.com, also Westwood One, joining us here on The Fan. You know, J.P., a lot of teams will build their squad to win the division first and then challenge from there. Do you see the thinking changing at all for Jacksonville when you consider just in the conference, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, right? Do you see them getting away from, hey, instead of let's just say the Colts are a juggernaut and they run the ball like crazy, let's load up on D-line. Do you see the Jags starting to think bigger than just like mounting up to win the division per se? Oh, they're saying it in, in public, too. It's not like they're not hiding it. You know, they're not just, hey, let's just look at our draft picks after the fact and, and, and read the tea leaves. They're, they've been saying it. Doug Peterson said it right after the playoff loss last year in the division round. It's like, okay, we know the standard now is this. In order for us to take the next step, we have to be able to hang with these teams. So how do you hang with those teams? You score. You, 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 you do some different things on offense. Um, now, Will they consistently sweep the Tennessee Titans? I don't know. They they weren't that, you know, they didn't blow them out either time. Let's put it that way, right? Those are really good football games and or toss-up games that they ended up winning in key moments late. Um, you know, what's a real long-term future for Derrick Henry in Tennessee? I think it's a fair question. And, you know, obviously they're thinking about the quarterback position since they went with Levis uh, in the second round there. So, hey, that's – I think you're spot on. They've said it. It's the Chiefs, it's the Bills, it's the Chargers, it's those teams you're going to see in the playoffs because the expectation now is to be in the playoffs somehow. And the easiest way is to go win that division. But it's really not about the other teams in the division. It's about yourself, building the best team you can. Let them worry about coming to you. And it's just a different mindset around here now. I mean, this is not (laughs) – this is an organization that has won – uh, only the AFC South twice in its whole existence. So uh, having that kind of uh, hunted mentality is is much different. You mentioned that expectation shift, JP. From the offensive standpoint, obviously 
everything that went on in year one and then the massive leaps that Trevor Lawrence took in year two and Doug Peterson able to take him under his wing and, and, and mold him in the type of quarterback that everybody thought he was going to be out of college. What are the expectations for this offense going into year three of Trevor Lawrence? There, you know, we were talking about this on some shows a couple of weeks ago. We have Bucky Brooks, who's on with us, NFL Network analyst, former Jaguar. He's on with us every week on a few different programs. And we're talking about the similar idea, right? And there's a, there's a possibility, just considering the names that are on this roster, that the Jags could push at least for three 1,000-yard receivers and a 1,000-yard rusher all on the same team. That's only happened twice in the history of the NFL, right? The 1995 Falcons did it. Um, June Jones was the coach. Of course, Jeff George throwing it around everywhere. And then the 04 Colts, you guys know very well. It's a really good team there, obviously, with Peyton and the receivers and, and Edron in the backfield. Uh, they have the personnel, at least last year. They got 2,000-yard receivers last season, right? You add Calvin Ridley to the mix, who's eager to play, who's on a contract year, who needs to prove a lot on and off the field. Uh, motivation is not an issue there, certainly. And then ETN and a stable of running backs that can balance them out and give them some breather. And a, a quarterback who's trying to keep up with the Joneses in the AFC, hey, that's a good recipe. So that's what they're looking for. I think it's production. I think it's scoring points. It is pushing the envelope with different formations and things we might not have even seen last year. They've added a tight end in the draft. So that possibility changes things, too. So that's where they are. It's a good place to be. It's going to be fun to watch. I know that. Hey, JP, thanks for the time, man. Hope you have a good weekend. We'll catch you later. All right, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate it. You too, JP. You too. JP Shadrick, Jaguars.com, Westwood One play-by-play guy. College football and NFL. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. We're joined by Joe Wrights, former offensive lineman with the Colts and the Ravens. Colts radio analyst now. I got to know your musical taste here, Joe Wrights. We'll get into the Colts and football in a second. But musically, how do you get down? What's your go-to genre? Man, I, I like the classic rock. I would say uh, it's that, especially when I'm working out. Obviously, with the nice weather now here in Indiana, it's tough to beat country music. Uh, I love country. And then, you know, we got six young children at home, so it seems that uh, – any sort of Disney tune or ballad or, you know, soundtrack to Paw Patrol or anything, that's always running through my head because those things are awful sticky and uh, hard to get out. Oh, that's funny, man. Now, if you're, like, it's heavy leg day, right? Like, who are the classic rock bands that you're just you're just cranking up in the earbuds or however, however you get down for the workout? Uh, I usually put it on uh, Apple Music we have. I usually put on Eye of the Tiger, that song, and then create the station, and it just goes from there. And, and they always got good. I love the 80s and, you know, getting into the 70s a little bit on the classic rock. But that's usually uh, my go-to. That's back when I played with the Colts. You know, we'd always have to fight for the music in the weight room, and generally it was, you know, seniority. So my last year or two, I finally got to get a little bit of classic rock pumping in there. How did that go down with the rest of the team? Pretty good. There'd be some nice spirited discussions. And then what would always happen is Adam Vinatieri would walk in at 42 or 43 or whatever he was, Hall of Famer, and he'd say, all right, boys, 
I'm picking the radio, and, and that was it. <laughs> it just went from the uh, last one. I'm just curious, what did Vinatieri go with? What was his go-to? He liked classic rock. He was with me. We would, uh, you know, it often be that, you know, versus rap and you know, hip hop and battle and back and forth. Um, hard to get country on because everybody thought it was too slow and you know, not pump you up enough. But no, that brings back. Uh, Good memories, because especially this time of the year, right? That's what the Colts are doing now. You're you're not necessarily practicing the OTAs yet, so it's a lot of time in the weight room, a lot of time in the classroom and film study. But that that weightlifting piece, those were those were fun times in the spring. You know, as as everybody starts building towards you know what this 2023 season is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Wright's joining us here, Colts radio analyst. How about this, Joe? If you are an offensive lineman with the Colts right now. Is your mentality a little bit different in, say, year three as a young guy compared to, like, year 11 as a vet trying to chase a championship when you're starting anew with Anthony Richardson? Would your mentality change at all? No doubt. I think it's twofold. One, every year that you play and get a little bit older, you understand how hard it is to, one, make the playoffs, make a run, and get to the Super Bowl. I was blessed my first year in Baltimore. We went to the AFC Championship game. Second year, we're in the playoffs. You know, then I come to Indianapolis, we're in the playoffs, and you realize that it's not that easy. And so every year you get older, wow, how many more years do I have left? I want to make a run at this thing. So I think that's part of some veterans' mindset. The other part is you're excited because hopefully you've got a guy that you can build on for the next decade. And the Colts have had such a revolving QB carousel since Andrew Luck retired that I think it's nice to know, hey, this guy's a pillar. He's going to be our foundation then the third thing for an offensive lineman, I'm jacked up we drafted Richardson. You know why? Because that guy can move, and that guy's got speed, and how our defense is going to defend us. And so as an offensive lineman, you're going to be running the ball a lot more. You're going to be running a lot more different type of concepts. It's not going to be necessarily the five- and seven-step drop, drop-back passing that we've seen you know, the last three years with Ryan and Wet and Rivers. And as an offensive lineman, it's a lot better when you can run or you can run that hard play action and you get to be the aggressor versus you know, backing up three, four yards and trying to stop some defensive end from getting to your quarterback. So that's what excites me most as a former offensive lineman. Joe, you mentioned that there's going to be likely a lot of uh, smiles and enjoyment along the offensive line with the way that the offense can go and will be able to go next year. But as you know, a large portion of that is going to rely on the O-line getting back to where they were just two years ago, maybe not even to that height, but an improvement off of last season. When you reflect off of where they struggled as a unit last year to the changes or the adjustments that are going to have to be made this season, how hard is that going to be, and what specifically do you want to see improved upon from the O-line? Well, I think two things, continuity and confidence. This is clearly a line that's played really good football, and a couple years ago, you know, everybody was talking about, you know, are they the best offensive line in football? Um, so regain your confidence, and that comes from playing well and winning and doing it as a unit, but also continuity. Last year they went in with a left guard or left tackle and a right guard that weren't the same guys at the end of the year. And that's a big deal. But now you're starting this year and you hope that Fries and Ryman are the answers. And so now you combine the five guys and you're going into the day one of offseason workouts that started a couple weeks ago and saying, this is our unit and we're going to build this unit together. And then I think the really the, um, the elephant in the room is we haven't had a mobile quarterback really for the last three years. Wentz a little bit, but with Ryan and Rivers. And now you're coming into maybe kind of this new NFL 
with all the speed on defense and have a quarterback that can move out of the pocket. And that just takes so much stress off your offensive line. You know, last year, I think our struggles were a combination of a couple of things. One, you know, we missed Jack Doyle in the run game and all that he did. And we struggled, you know, holding up, blocking at the tight end position. Two, you know, we had a quarterback that didn't move well in the pocket. Three, we got down in so many games. And when you're down by 14 points and you have a quarterback that's more stationary, I don't care how good you are as an offensive lineman. If the D-line knows that you're throwing the ball, they're in a track stance, they're pinning their ears back, and they're just going. And this year our offense is going to be fundamentally different under Shane and the concepts he's bringing from Philly and the dynamic playmaking ability we're going to have um, from our quarterback, you know, being able to run the ball with his legs. Uh, Joe Wright's joining us here, Colts radio analyst here on The Fan. I've always said this, Joe, I don't know if you agree or not, but when it comes to a rookie quarterback, my my baseline is, is he ready enough where if we throw him out there, he's not at great risk to start forming some bad habits? Um, and, and if that's the way you view it as well, I'm curious from a player's standpoint, if you have a rookie quarterback, how long does it take you as a player to get a pretty good sense of he's ready enough where we can get him out there? Yeah, he's going to take his lumps, but he's not at great risk to start forming some bad habits. Yeah, that's a tough one because I think the NFL, there's really four speeds to the game. You have your off-season speed right now, then it ramps up in training camp, then it ramps up in preseason, then it ramps up in the regular season. So I think the biggest test for Richardson will really be preseason games and when the lights are shining bright, what does he do? But again, preseason isn't the regular season. And so you're not really going to know until you're in that regular season format. And I think the Guys have to be able to play. You have to play to gain experience and get reps, but it's kind of that dual, dual-edged sword. Do we put them out there week one, or you know, is Minshew the guy to start the season and you work Richardson in and have different packages, and all of a sudden maybe he takes over the starter later in the year? I think that's what remains to be seen with this Colts team. But the bottom line, to play, to, to get better, you have to get those game reps. There's nothing like it, and Richardson will need that to develop. But I think what's nice is – you can start building your offense right now around Richardson and what he does best. But you got a guy in Minshew who's run that system in Philly, who's a proven quarterback and go out and win games. So you have a nice safety blanket, too, if the coaching staff decides, hey, we might not start Richardson week one right out of the gate, but we'll work him in as the season goes on. And maybe, you know, he takes over as your starter later in the year. Joe, I, I want to be optimistic about the Colts wide receiver room and give a benefit of the doubt there that. You know, I wanted and was preaching for a leap from Michael Pittman Jr. last year, but maybe the reason we didn't fully get it was because Matt Ryan was a shell of himself, and 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 by the end of it, they were having you know basically me or Brian try to throw to him. So hopefully that gets that gets remolded and fixed with you know more competent quarterback play. Let's say it's not Richardson and it's Minshew out there first. It, how does he either open things up or what new perspective does he bring to this offense where there's still room for growth for Michael Pittman Jr., for Alec Pierce, for new rookie Josh Downs, if it is Minshew under center week one? I, I think the biggest thing you'll see uh, and fans will see is with Philly's offense, you watched them last year, they had single coverage all the time in their receivers because teams had to be committed to having an extra guy to take into account, quote, the 12th man of the offense, and that's the QB running the ball. And so for Richardson and Pierce, you know, those are bigger body guys. You know, Pierce is a little bit more of a, a home run over the top. But I'll tell you, I'm really excited about Downs. I thought that Downs in the draft 
you know, outside of Richardson, which everybody's talking about, was our best value pick because I think he really was a uh, second-round talent that we got in the third round, and I think he has elite speed and twitch in the slot, and that's what we really need, some speed guys that are going to get one-on-one matchups that can win those matchups and all of a sudden, you know, take a pass that's 12 yards over the middle and turn it into a really big play. So I'm excited to see what Downs can do and, you know, can he work himself into the the week one starting lineup. That gives us a different dynamic, I think, of just pure speed and twitch that we don't have in the wide receiver room now. And I'm guessing that, uh, you know, my old teammate Reggie Wayne is awful excited about that pick we got because I think that was really a steal being able to snag him in the third round. What would you need to see from Anthony Richardson this year, Joe, to feel very strongly that, He's a legitimate franchise quarterback going forward. Man, that, that's so hard because I think you can't judge him on his first performance or the preseason or week one. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, legally he can't buy a beer yet. He's not yet 21. <laughs> and I think I, I thought it was really good on what Chris Ballard said after the draft. We're drafting him on what we think he can be. And I do think of all the quarterbacks, he had the highest ceiling of the draft. And the Colts are betting that they can coach him up and help him reach that full potential. And if he does, he's for sure going to be the best quarterback taken in this draft. And so I view this as generally in the NFL, when you're taking a first-round pick, you want to know that that guy can come in, you know, no questions asked and start day one, right? This is what we think this guy can be. But to me, this has a combo of a NFL slash NBA pick. And, you know, the NBA is all about potential. And what can this guy be in one, two, three years down the road? And I do think there's an element of that to Richardson because he still is so raw and he still, in my opinion, has so much upside to reach that full potential. So I would say it's going to be hard, you know, even after the end of this year to say, oh, well, this is our guy, this isn't our guy. We're going to have to give it a little bit of time Mm -hmm. and to hope that he develops into the quarterback for the next, you know, 10, 12 years. And, And I don't think we're going to know that just right out of the gate. Joe, taking us behind the curtain a little bit, and I know you might not have every example off the top, but you've talked to enough people that would have experienced this. What is it like in the huddle as a young quarterback starts to earn the respect of the offensive line of the veteran players that are on the roster? Yeah, you definitely have to earn it. You you give a little bit, but you have to earn it. And, you know, my experience with a young quarterback, I had two, Joe Flacco in Baltimore, and then, you know, Andrew Luck here in Indianapolis. And Flacco, it, it took a little bit of time. You know, he definitely had that command and presence, but he wasn't lighting the world on fire his rookie year, even though we made the playoffs. Where Andrew was a little bit different, you know, he stepped in day one, our first offseason workout, and he was changing protections and making different calls and making up new calls, and everybody's looking around like, okay, you know, we got this guy. And so I think Richardson's going to be a little bit more that he's going to earn that respect over time with as he continues to develop. That's your job as an offensive lineman, right, to support the young quarterback and say, hey, what can we do? We have to be at our very best so we give this guy a chance to be successful and not just the O-line but the receivers, backs, tight ends, the other 10 guys – when you're playing with a young quarterback, it's really important that they're at their very best because you have to give a guy a good chance to grow and you got to let him be successful. And that happens by those other 10 guys doing their job and doing it very well. Hey, Joe, before you go, and we appreciate your time, I'd like to do a little take your pick classic rock style, okay? So wow. I'll give you two songs and you break the tie for me in terms of your personal love, preference. Love yeah. that. All right, here we go. Okay, here we go. First one. Hotel California or Freebird? 
I'm going to go with the Eagles. I like the Eagles, so I'm going Hotel California. Okay, all right. You like the, the guitar work on that song, I take it. Um, okay, Smoke on the Water or Layla? I'm going to go Smoke on the Water, but I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really. Layla, that, that, that's not ringing a bell with me. Who sings Layla? That's our guy, Eric Clapton. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm Layla. Not a I can't guy. hit the high notes right now. A little under the wet. Got me on my knees, Layla. That's all I can do for you right now, Joe. Joe, did that help yeah, you're you? Getting it. You're getting it. That's a good <laughs> effort right there. I like it, yeah. That's max effort from singing. I like it. Thank you. Uh, last one. We'll go with two classics here. Stairway to Heaven or Sweet Home Alabama? Whoa, it's funny. I was talking to my parents the other day, and they were talking about Stairway to Heaven was like their prom song, right? And they were we were got in a big discussion about that. But Sweet Home Alabama's classic. I mean, Skinner is so good, and I, I do love that song, especially kind of the country vibes and feel that that one goes with, too. There you go. Good stuff, Joe. Well, hey, man, good hanging with you. Hope you have a good weekend. We'll catch you down the road. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And I think, you know, for all the fans, I just think for me uh, – the, the biggest excitement for me is it's kind of a new era of Colts football, right? It's Richardson, and we're betting on the future of the NFL and a different type of offense than we've seen the last quarter century here in Indianapolis. And I just think that that unknowns, that potential, that hope that's out there, it's, uh, it's really exciting. So for me, I'm super pumped. Schedule's coming out next week. And then you start to think, okay, these games are coming into Lucas Oil. I want to get tickets for this, or this will be a fun road trip. So it's definitely going to be a fun here off season as we wait and watch the quarterback develop and the rest of this team develop with the new coach, uh, Steichen, and, and what we're going to be here in the future for the Colts. Amen to that, man. It's a holiday. It's a pr- practically a national holiday when the schedule is yes. released now, you know? yeah. <laughs> the NFL does it better than anybody else. There's always something important and huge coming down the pipe. I mean, it's shocking. I mean to think that 300,000 people were there to celebrate and party for a draft or literally watch guys walk across the stage when they're not going to play a game for six months. I mean, that's, that's the NFL, and it really is beautiful in terms of how they've made this a year-round deal and, and really made this America's sport. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Well, hey, man, you have a good one. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Joe. All right. Sounds good. See you. There he is, Joe Wrights, former Colts and Ravens offensive lineman, Colts radio analyst. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, we got Ken Rudolph. He's from FanDuel TV. Uh, joining us here on the fan, Ken. Um, uh, we'll get to how we get wealthy off this race in a little bit here, but I'm going to start goofy with you. What's the most entertaining name in this year's Derby Field to you? Most entertaining name? That's a uh, huh? I don't know. I think maybe King Russell might be entertaining to me, but I don't know if anything. I guess trying to say Derma Sodagake. It's probably funny. Um, but other than that, they don't really strike me as being very entertaining. Is something hit you as funny? No, no. I, I Yeah, I haven't. Same thing with me. I, I like your uh, picks. I, I first thought it's probably not after Russell Wilson based on the year that he had with the Broncos last year. Probably not the, <laughs> the foundation of King Russell there. I heard that. That's probably not applicable there. I think you're onto something there, brother. <laughs> okay, so how do we get rich here, Ken? Is there anything that you think makes a whole lot of sense betting wise? Man, look, it's so uh, you've been following everything that's happening, right? Last couple of days has been absolute chaos. 
with four horses having to be removed from the field and the three horses that are on the waiting list now get in. And that's what makes it all all crazy now. Cattywampus is because last year, everybody remembers the horse that got in off the list was the horse that won, number 21, at 81 to 1, Rich Strike. So now everyone's like, well, I'm not going to get Rich Strike again this year. I'm betting the horse that gets in. Now we've got three horses that just got in. So, and those horses are all taking money. Hmm. So I, I really believe, honestly, that all 19 of these runners have a chance to, to score. Um, so I would just say this. I know who I'm going to bet, and it really doesn't matter if you follow my bet. It really only matters that you make your own pick. This is the only race that every single being on the planet bets. And you can't possibly handicap and, you know, take your time with all of it. Sometimes you just like a name. Or sometimes you just like the number. So I love a horse named Confidence Game, number four. That's my top pick. But I think they all have a chance, so you pick who you want. Ken Rudolph with us, one of the original broadcast team members of TVG, obviously now FanDuel TV. Ken, you selected Giacomo at 50 to 1 in 05, had Ooh. Country House in 2019 at 65 to 1. Ooh. I know you're going with confidence game, but to go down that rich strike alley, is there a, a, a high level long shot like that that you think has a good chance tomorrow? Yes. All of them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, you know what? I haven't said this to anybody. I think I may have said it like under my breath on the air. And then every time I went back and looked at it and looked at it, I'm like, man. But I really feel like Hit Show is the long shot that shouldn't be the long shot. Um, he was favored in his recent races, and he was in the mix in the wood, and he happened to get beat by Lord Miles. I think that Hit Show, breaking from the inside post, he has the worst post position. Yep. But last year, a horse by the name of Mo Donegal, broke from the number one post position last year. And he had to do the exact same thing that Hit Show had to do. But Mo Donegal didn't have a chance to save any ground, and I think he could. He was in the same spot with Rich Strike, and Rich Strike got to that hole, and Mo Donegal couldn't, so he had to go 10 wide. So he can save ground from the number one post position, but he's got to be quick and decisive. And Manny Franco riding the horse Hit Show, I, I really believe that they're going to make the turn for home. And if he hasn't completely made a dumb mistake, they're going to be in position to be running down the lane. They'll be second to confidence game, but they'll be in position to run down the lane at a big price. Hit show, the number one horse. You know, Ken, there are some people that don't have a whole lot of experience in in uh, horse racing betting. And there are so many options. They might be swimming in them when they're like, all right, exacta, box the trifecta. Like, what's going on here? How would you simplify a, 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 an approach to betting on the Derby for someone that doesn't have a whole lot of experience doing so? Well, especially with the exacta, I think it's super simple. And I learned this lesson the hard way. <clears throat> Uh, when I was lucky enough to pick Giacomo in 2005, yes, I did bet $100 to win, but I failed to make the simplest backup wager in the history of big days, and that is the exacta. Mm -hmm. And what you do with your exacta is very simple, it, especially if you like a horse that I liked at a big price. You want to maximize. So what I was supposed to do was play the exacta, and I was supposed to key Giacomo on top, and then push all in the second position. And in that year, for $1, it would have cost me $19. For this year, it will cost you $18.
And what that means is if you win the race, it doesn't matter who comes in second. You're guaranteed to hit the exacta. And what you're hoping for is what happened in 2005. Giacomo won at 50 to 1, but a horse named Closing Argument ran second at 74 to 1. So the exacta was ridiculous. And I'm still mad at myself for not making that simple wager. Um, I did it for Country House. It didn't pay nearly as much, but I was happy that I had I made that backup play. So you pick your horse to win, and then you key that horse on top. You put every single horse in the field in the second spot, and you hope for chaos. Yeah. And if you want to play a trifecta, you simply just have to find three horses. I can't choose your horses for you. You have to find three horses. You put them in what's called a $1 trifecta box. That means... They can come in any order. As long as they're in the top three, you get paid. That costs you $6 on a $1 trifecta box. There it is. Super simple. There you go. Ken, last thing on my end, selfishly, when you look at this field, because I I love more than just the Derby, how many of these horses can legitimately contend for the Triple Crown? Ooh. Yeah, somebody else asked me that, and I was like, uh, what? (laughs) Uh... Like, wait a minute, I don't even know. Like, so I never even think about that until until I, until I they cross the right, wire in the right. derby, if that makes any yeah. sense. Because then I've got a feel for their running style. And, like, if they did it on the front end in the Kentucky Derby, we automatically think, well, yep, you're going to be able to take them all the way around the Preakness. Sure. So, you know what I mean? Or if they just sat right off whatever runner and they were just incredibly push-button. Like, you know, a runner like California Chrome, I remember watching him win the derby. He was so push-button, he just took off. And we're like, oh, my God, they're not going to beat him in the Preakness. He's incredible. Right. So if a horse like Forte gets his is up in the mix early on and just gets away from the field and demolishes them and just dominates, then obviously he's the kind of horse that has already shown us he can win on the front end. He can win from back the back of the pack with traffic. And if he wins the Derby with ease, he's the horse that has shown that he has the ability to take it all the way through the triple crown. Forte hey. is probably the only one. Hey, Ken, thanks for the time, man. Enjoy the Derby. Have a great weekend. Hope everything, all your bets come through. Thank you all for your time. I really appreciate you. Have fun. Good luck. Bet whatever you want to bet. Don't take anybody else's advice. Follow your heart. (laughs) Thanks, Ken. There you go. Ken Rudolph, FanDuel TV.